The Kingdom Rock Network is proud to present the ministry of Pastor Leon Armstrong of World Overcomers Ministries in Madison, Mississippi. Greetings, this is Leon Armstrong, the founding pastor of World Overcomers Ministries Church in the city of Madison, Mississippi. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Living Truth Broadcast. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us on the web at woministries.org. If you are visiting in the Jackson, Madison, Mississippi area, you are welcome always to be our guest. You can locate us at 444 Pebble Creek Drive, Madison, Mississippi. It is our prayer that you are richly blessed by the Word of God. Please receive now our word for today. I want to ask as you turn with me to Luke. We are continuing in our series on unity. And I pray that you are receiving insight, conviction even, stirring of faith concerning this subject of unity that has come down from the Lord. Uh, we said on last week that unity, when men get together and determine that they want to unify, like in Genesis 11, when they wanted to build a tower that is a unity that is destined to fail. So unity does not start down and then work its way up by building a tower to touch heaven. That would fall. But unity starts from above and works its way down and reaches the earth. As it did on the day of Pentecost when the spirit was sent by the father and created unity by establishing the body of Christ. And we said that the unity has to do with the nets. We are all tied together by love. Love is the foundation of unity. You cannot have unity from God unless there's first love. People have to commit themselves to love one another. They have to care for one another. This place called the house of God is an environment of love. Our strength is love. Our power is love. It is not compared to any other weapon or strength, but yet it's the most powerful in all the universe is love. And the church has to come to a made-up mind that we must endeavor to have this kind of love that will stay in continuity with the Holy Spirit. We want to talk about that. But we will read here in Luke 5. Because we've, we've, last week we talked about what we have to do with our unity. We had to mend the nets, which is you do that with love. You keep the nets mended. They will eventually tear. They'll break. There's friction. There's stress. Nets will tear. But you mend the nets. They were found mending their nets. There was, there was always this activity of love to keep things together. And then cleaning the nets, cleaning the nets, learning to see each other the way God sees us. And God sees us through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes the church likes to look at people based on sin. And if I'm just looking for your sin to preach hard on your sin and preach hard against your sin, then that's a dirty net because the focus is on sin. 
But when we focus upon the blood and focus upon Jesus and focus upon his grace and his mercy, and if I can see you through the blood, if I can see you through the grace of God, then that would be clean. And so the church has a lot of cleaning in how it sees itself personally, individually, and how we see each other. We have to see each other through the blood. We clean our nets. All right. But here's another facet. In Luke uh, 5, again, we, uh, there's so much to review. I'm not going to review it all. Here at the, be first, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry was a fishing trip. And this is where the nets were thrown out at his command, and they, they broke. And we'll just read from verse 1 again. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. But he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of this ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a draw. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and their net broke. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and they that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fish which they had taken. I want to stop there. So here in, in this, again, is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It is the first fishing trip that Jesus goes on. Jesus goes on another fishing trip at the end of his ministry after his resurrection. The difference in the first fishing trip and the last fishing trip is that the first fishing trip, the nets broke. But in the last fishing, trips, fishing trip, the net did not break. And we want to look at that. We made the comparison that the beginning of the fish of, of Jesus' ministry and the nets, the unity, is likened unto the beginning of the church age that started 2,000 years ago. And the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, where the nets didn't break, is symbolic of the end of the church age where you and I are living, and which tells us that God is going to unite his church in this last day so that the nets will not break, so that there can be a great, a great catch of souls that are sitting home right now on Sunday morning who don't know the Lord, who care nothing about him, there's going to be a great draw of souls to come in in this generation. And the church needs to get ready for what the Lord is about to do. And it, and it says something to us. Uh, I'm focusing on this morning 
when he told Peter to throw the net out. In verse 5, and Simon answering and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word. Everybody say, at thy word. He says, at thy word, I will let the net down. And he did. And it, it, you know, a lot of people take that and they run with it. You know, they run with it and say, see, nevertheless, at the word, God's going to bless us and God's going to increase us. And, you know, they make it an argument for prosperity because the boats were filled and they were sinking. And so uh, we get happy over at thy word and, and the boats got filled. But the problem here is that the nets broke which is what happened in the beginning of the church age. and has never been mended from that time. And the problem here is, yes, at his word, they, or he, Peter, let down the net. But the net broke. That's a problem. He did it at his word, but that was a problem. The nets broke. And so when you get into this problem, the problem says to me, and as I commune with the Lord and meditating on this word, he begins to point out to me that Peter really did not believe his words. All right. He did not believe his words. He did it. It was to acknowledge you are the rabbi, you are the teacher. They said you're the Messiah. Since you said let down the net. I'm going to let it down. You know, he didn't say, okay, right away, uh, you said it, let's do it. He said, but we've toiled all night, which says that he believed his circumstances over the word of God. How many times do we uh, hear the word of God that says God is going to do this, God promises to do that, but we first reflect, oh, well, it's been this way or that way all these years. I've tried this. I've given my best. I've done that. But then we are so used to what results we have always had that when the word of God comes, it's not something that we are totally invested in. It is something that we first think and reference that I've gotten negative results first. That's the first thing. And it shows that we're not connected, we're not invested, we're not truly convinced of what God's saying. I'm glad he said it. I'll do it. I'll go to church since he said go to church. You know, I'll sing since he said sing. But do we really? And somewhere we have to look that, that when we do that, when our hearts are not vested and God has said something, but we're more convinced of our circumstances and we do it anyway, it's going through the motions. And how many know that going through the motions is really not going to pan out? It's not going to get the results. It's not going to maintain. It's not going to be something that stands strong. It's not something that's going to last. Something is going to break. Amen. A lot of people are trying to find answers and success, and they're trying to get a uh, thing. And yes, we're supposed to obey the word. I'm not saying that, but see, I'm trying to show you there's a difference in just casually going through the motion of doing the word and putting your whole heart in the word. There's a difference. There is a difference because we have a problem here. If our whole hearts are not vested in the word, the nets are not going to be strong enough. That's what I'm trying to say to you. So we can come to church and we can sing our songs and we can hear our sermons, but if the word is not something that we are totally vested in, the nets will not have the strength. They may start off blessing us, but somewhere something is going to break. Are you all with me? 
Listen, Jesus established, we read in Ephesians 3 about the spirit of unity and how we ought to endeavor to keep the spirit of unity. The spirit of unity. Jesus said, I must. When he was walking in the earth, he says, it's expedient that I go. He died. He went to the cross, died. He was raised again. And then he ascended up to heaven to sit at the right hand of God. And he says, I will send another comforter to you. I'm going to send my spirit down to you. And in sending my spirit, my spirit has a mission, has a responsibility. He is going to keep unity in the earth. What I started with my words, he is going to make sure that my words stay the course. And that's the mission that he draws people to the word so that the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of Christ, keeps the words that he himself, Jesus, established. And he will never, ever deviate from that word or from that truth. All right. So let, let me let's do this. Let's just bear witness to that from the scriptures. Go to John. Go to John. Go to John. Chapter 14. John 14. John 14. We're going we're going to look at the scripture today. We're going to look at the word today. I don't want you to just hear me talk. I want you to read it. I want you to see it. John 14. Are you there? Uh, look at verse 26. Verse 26. We're going to look at a couple of witnesses right here. So he says in John 14, 26, he says, But the Comforter, which is the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of unity, the Spirit of truth, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. He shall do what? He shall teach you. Know that the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Know that the Holy Spirit is your teacher above any man. Now, God will call a man or a woman to point out the word or point out the truth or point out the revelation, but you yourself have to consider it, study it, meditate on it, and the Holy Spirit will reveal it. He will be your revealer. He'll be your teacher. If you've learned something out of the word, anything out of the word, it came from the Holy Spirit. All right? If you understand, if you say, I understand this scripture now. That understanding came to you by the Spirit because a man cannot give you revelation. A man can't reveal truth to you. He can teach it to you, but he can't reveal it to you. The revealing of it comes by the Holy Spirit. He's your teacher. All right? So he says here in verse 24 again, uh, excuse me, verse 26, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I I have said unto you, who is I? Who is I? Jesus. Okay? Go to 15. Just flip one chapter over. Same verse. Verse 26. Chapter 15, verse 26. <clears throat> he says, but when the comforter is come, here's your second witness, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. He shall testify of who? Of Jesus. So Jesus goes to the Father, sits at the right hand, the Holy Spirit comes down to establish the church, the body of Christ, and anyone who believes, that's whom the Spirit draws, and that's whom the Spirit will teach, and he is the one who will teach and confirm and testify of everything that Jesus says. Okay, that's very important. 
That's very important. And, but the problem is, as long, listen, as long as the church, which is drawn into the body of Christ, stays with the spirit, you have unity. Because the unity is between the body through the spirit and God, Christ. As long as we have his word, his truth, we first have unity with heaven. Now we can have unity with one another because if one another, if we all know the truth that came out of, the, out of Christ, then that unifies us. But what happened in the beginning of the church age, here's why the nets broke in the beginning. The body of Christ started to be tattered, torn, divided one from another. Men started coming in, teaching other doctrines, saying other teachings other than the truth that was in Christ. Being in contradiction to the Holy Spirit, causing men to hear something that was not true and following after those teachers that did not represent the word of God. Are y'all with me? Come on, can I hear amen? amen? I'm trying to show you what has happened over time so that you can see where you are and see where you're going in God's plan. And so Paul cried over the church of Ephesus because he said, and I've said this earlier, he said to them, he said, listen, I'm praying and I'm crying over you because when I leave, I know false teachers are going to come and they're coming like wolves and they're going to divide the flock. They're going to cause people to follow this way and follow that way. And even some of your own people within the church will rise up to become teachers to create disciples unto themselves. So right away, out of pride and out of self-ambition, man starts to create little segments of teachings and doctrines and philosophies and theologies and theories and reasonings for himself to create a following unto himself. And that, what, that is what divided the church. This is why there are so many denominations in the world today. This is why. Because it all sprang from man not listening or staying with the Holy Spirit who is the one who testifies of the word and says that word is what Jesus said. If you stick to that word which Jesus says, you're right on track. But when you come up with your own ideals, your own theories, your own reasonings, then it creates division and it causes people to go different ways and you got a broken net that can catch no one. Amen. Now let's do this because I want to expose to you some of this stuff that has poisoned the church over the years. Yeah, I'm being pretty strong. It's poison. It is, it is, it is damnable. It is godless. It's a godless agenda that has existed for the last 2,000 years. Before that, it is godless. It is godless in its uh, strategies. It is godless because it wants to push God out. And you have to understand that this is what is a, this is a real spirit. This is real darkness that is happening. Go to uh, 2 Peter and 3, uh, chapter 3. Let's, let's just, I want to give you some things that you can write down and go back and, and just peg these for your own self. I want you to see this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Peter. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. You there? I probably need to bag up and read into this. Start at verse 12, but I'm landing at verse 16. It says, looking for the hasting unto the coming of the Lord, wherein he the, uh, the heavens 
being on fire shall be dissolved and elements shall melt with fervent fire. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. That word rest means to twist, to corrupt, to pervert, as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. And he's telling us there, that there are people who will rest. They're unlearned, they're unstable. And I'm telling you, the body of Christ has many that they take scriptures and they want to get across a message that they want or something that they want to build or something that they want the people to do. They'll find and hunt down the scripture that fits close, then twist it to make it fit perfectly the message that they want to give. There are people who do that, unlearned, unstable. They twist. You have to be careful of what's being twisted. You just can't hear anything that sounds good because charismatic people, people who are very gifted with words and all of this, uh, all of this uh, you know, ability can really take a, a word of God and twist it and make it, means, make it mean what they want it to mean. Let's look at another. Go to uh, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, I want you to see this. Ephesians 4 says, and <clears throat> 13, well, I, I can lead, lead into that because we, you know, we're supposed to be going to the unity of the faith. Uh, but he says in verse 14 that we henceforth be no more what? Children. I mean, spiritual low stature, spiritual ignorance that we uh, eventually move from milk to strong meat. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. You see the instability into that? Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. All right, so we're called to grow up, not be children. And children don't have the ability sometimes to discern, to discern good from evil to discern truth from a lie. That's the problem with children. They, they're too susceptible. And when we are spiritually susceptible, we're spiritual children, it's hard to discern. And so that's why he says, you know, strong meat belong to them that are full age, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern, to discern, to know the difference, to make a judgment between good and evil. All right. So you don't want to be able to hear the truth one minute and then somebody comes along and teaches you a lie and tells you a lie and then it makes you go with the lie over the truth. And you know, in fact, God does this. He will allow 
uh, heresies to come in the church. He was allowed people to come in from time to time who will whisper in people's ear the things that are not true just to see who will be susceptible to that, who he will prove, who will follow the truth and who won't, who is ready and who's not. God will allow that. And if you see people fall off to the wayside because they followed a lie or they believe something that is not in continuity with the spirit of truth, then it starts to prove that person really was not ready to stand on the word. All right. So they, these are just a few. Let's look at another one. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. Let's go back to, uh, to Peter. Let's go to second Peter chapter one. And this, this is one for you. And you all can relate to this one. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says, Knowing this first, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of private interpretation. No prophecy. Did you know all Scripture is prophecy? And no prophecy of Scripture is of private interpretation. That means nobody has room or has the uh, right to take the word of God and say, I think it means this, or to say my interpretation is this. I remember when I was in my 20s and we were a bunch of co-workers and I had started talking about scriptures. You know, when you're young in the faith, you, you pick out promises and words that sound real good to you. And we used to like to quote things like the Bible says that you know, if you abide in me and your word, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. We used to get, love to get to that part. See, you can ask for what you will and it'll be done to you. We love that kind of stuff. And we just totally ignored the fact that the words had to be, abide in you. That there was a condition there that not only are you in Christ, but the words, the words. Everybody say the words. Say his words. His words had to be abiding in you before you can get to the point where you can ask what you will. And so we did that. And then you had people that come around and say, well, well, well my interpretation is this of that. You know, and, and I started to listen out of the group. Everybody had an interpretation. Everybody said, in my interpretation. And that hit me. I said, well, that just sounds too fragile. That just sounds too, too wormy, too, too weak for God to write something and then everybody has an interpretation on something that God wrote and the Spirit said to me, whose letter is it? Who wrote it? Where did it originate from? Did it originate with your interpretation? Was your interpretation the thing that created this? No. Then you can't apply, apply your interpretation to it because you have to go back to the one who wrote it and find out what he meant by what he wrote when he said it. And I found out that man cannot just create an interpretation on what God said. How would you like to write something and send it to your family or to some friends and they read your letter? And they said, well, I think he meant this or I think she meant this and they don't know a hill of beans about what she meant. Everybody's interpreting wrong your letter. Wouldn't it be courteous for them to call you and say, listen, we received your letter, uh, we read it, but what, what did you mean by this when you said that? That's how you get the true meaning. And so a lot of times you have to stop and ask, how do I ask? God, the Holy Spirit is my conduit, my transmitter, the one I communicate with to find out what does God mean by what he says when he wrote this? Now you're in unity. You are in unity when you can find out what God means. And listen, here's a safe practice. If you want to interpret scripture, let scripture interpret itself. 
Let scripture interpret itself because that's how it works. Uh, you might be reading something here in John or in Ephesians, but you may not know what it means. But all you have to do is do what Jesus says and search the scriptures. And when you search the scriptures, you may be reading and studying on a totally unrelated subject in another part of the Bible. And you'll find one little word or one little scripture way over here in another part of the Bible that will explain this other scripture that you didn't understand. Scripture will always interpret Scripture if you search through it. God will not leave you ignorant. He'll get you the answer. He wants you to know what he means. He wants you to know what he meant by it. He wants you to know the truth. He's not trying to hide it from you. And so don't let people, don't let men, don't let the systems of this world or the systems of religion uh, dupe you, cause you to believe a lie, twist things on you. Don't just take hook, line, and secret anything that you hear. Hey, listen, be discerning. Just because it sounds good, just because a gifted person says it, doesn't mean that it's true. Go back and weigh the matter for yourself. Check what spirit it is of. Check where it came from. Go back to the book. Go back to God. Is this what you meant by it? So you stay on safe ground and you become strong in the truth. You become strong in the truth because Jesus wants you to know what he means. He wants you to know him in the way to know him is to know him by his truth. May I add that we can also be uh, kind of too forward in eating the flesh of other men. What do I mean by that? It's fine to learn a lot of the things that are in the Old Testament and the, 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 the characters, David, Moses, uh, but if you just make it your thing to study Moses and to study David and Elijah and Daniel, it's good to know those stories. They are teachings. There are lessons in that. Uh, but you don't want to make it your thing to eat their flesh because you can get so caught up into these characters that you end up eating the flesh of men. And Jesus tells us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. But, you know, you can have authors, writers, educators. They're great in this time to find books that can inspire or encourage. But no man's flesh, no man's flesh, no matter how he's lived, no matter how victorious, no matter how encouraging or inspiring, no man's life, no man's flesh in his life, no man's accomplishments can give you eternal life. Are you listening to me? No man's life. You can learn from a man. You can hear the inspiration, the encouragement from a man. You can see the example from a man. But no man's life can give you life. The only man, the only flesh in the whole world that can give you life is the life and the flesh of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the, ones, is the one who has flesh and blood that says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, except you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you will not have this life in you. That's what Jesus said. In fact, he says here in John 6, 53, 54, he goes on. He puts emphasis on his words. Who saw Because his word, how many know the flesh? The word became flesh. And he says, whosoever eateth my flesh, that means study the word. Whoever drinks my blood, that means get full of my spirit, have eternal life. This is John 6, 54. Have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. 55. My flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. My flesh is meat indeed, strong meat, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Talking about that word and spirit. 
that is in Christ, not in any other man, not in any denomination, not in any philosophy, not in any theology. There are a lot of people who have made themselves theologians. There are a lot of men who have made themselves theologians. But theologian, being a theologian is not life, is not eternal life. As the living Father has sent me, I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Come down to verse 63. The words I, the words that I speak unto you, the words that I speak unto you, they are life. They are spirit and they are life. But here's the problem again. Man has a hard time letting his heart be solely vested into the words of Jesus. Man has a hard time letting his heart be consumed with the words of Jesus. This is why you get this response in verse 63. The words, he says in verse 66, from that time many of his disciples, by that time he had more than 12, he had 70 plus disciples. He says from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Walked with him no more. You know, there are people who get offended by the words of Jesus. There are people who get offended that says, he's, when he says, you have to eat my flesh in order to live. You've got to come my way. You've got, hey, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father saved by me. You have to live by my words. My words give life. It's my sayings. He went about saying that my sayings, my words, my sayings, my words. Jesus did that on purpose because he knew that there will be other sources, other men who would come about and try to insert their words, try to infuse their philosophy, try to infuse their doctrines in order to get a following. And Jesus said, no, make sure it's my words, my sayings. They are the ones that would give you life. You can follow another man if you want to. You can follow another doctrine if you want to. You can follow a religion if you want to, but it will not give you life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus gives life. Jesus gives life. Jesus is the only one who can give life in the name of Jesus. Hey, listen, this is the problem. The church has been snared by deception, has been snared by false doctrines and false prophets, have been infected by this and poisoned by this from generation to generation. And our children, that's the sickening thing about it, our children become subject to it. And our, this godless culture infuses this poison into the minds of our children and it becomes something that gives them distant from the Lord. So if the parent don't have the truth and they're raising children, by the time they come up, they're further away from the truth of Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, God is about to rescue this thing. He's about to change this thing. God will not let this go on any longer. He will not let his heritage, his people, his glory remains in the hand of the enemy, in the hands of the devil. It's like he's gonna put the brakes on the devil and say, that's enough, you can go no further, I will prove that I am God and I will prove my people belong to me. They will return to my word. They will know me. They will recognize that only my word will stand in the name of Jesus. Jesus said my words and he means my words. We can go off and do other things and believe other things. But I really, let me just give you some scriptures. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, therefore, whosoever heareth 
these my sayings, or sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Mark 8, 38, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in, his, in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. John 5, 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. John 8, 51, verily, verily, I say unto you, if any man keep my saying, he shall never see death. John 12, 47, if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. And he says in the next verse, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. It is the word that Jesus put at a premium and as a divine standard that the judgment seat of Christ will be based on the word. The judgment seat of Christ is not based on sin. He's already judged your sin. He's judging you based on if you believe his word, if you receive his words, if you eat his words, if you speak his words. Listen, let me tell y'all something. This is the hour I'm telling you, you've got to get this, that you've got to be able to stop fighting this world, this life and its circumstances with your own human strength. You are weak against these powers. You and your human, human strength are weak against circumstances and problems in this world. But you know, you are not flesh and blood, only you are spirit and soul. That means you have the ability to receive spiritual things from God by the word. That means you're supposed to hear the word, believe the word, and then when you see a problem, when you see sickness, when you see disease, there's a word in you that comes out of your spirit that speaks to that situation. If you don't answer life and speak to this life with the word, you will be a victim to it. If you don't get devils out of your house by the word, they will come in freely. If you don't speak to your body, sickness will have freedom to come on your body. You've got to have a word in you and you've got to speak that word to your life every day. You don't sit back and try to live this life like everyone else. You are word people. God is calling you back to the word in the name of Jesus. That everything that you do has to be forwarded by the word first. You don't have to wait till everything goes wrong to start speaking the word. That's the problem. We wait and then we want a word from God. No, 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 no. Speak to your house, speak to your children, speak over your children, speak to your body, speak to your, your household, your family, your, your body, speak to your finances, speak the word. Everybody say, speak the word. Say, it's Jesus' words. His words are my words. I speak them because I believe them. So you can't go at this half-hearted. You can't go at this and go through the motions. God wants you to be totally invested that this is your way of life. This is the way you live. This is what you think. This is what you drink. Don't go by me. Don't eat my flesh. My flesh can't give you anything. 
eat the flesh of Jesus and live. My God, there is an awakening that is coming to this world right now. God is waking people up to come back to his word. I see it in the spirit. They're coming back. Everything that they have tried, everything that they have strategized to do, everything that they have thought was a remedy in their humanity, God is waking people up to come back to his words. I realized something. That we were not even raised. God never gave us a reason to disbelieve him the way we do sometimes. He never gave us a reason to treat his word the way we have. God raised us, birthed us, designed us to be believers and recipients of his words. Right from the beginning, I had a vision and, and I, I said, that looks familiar, Lord, that looks so familiar. And it was in his word. I eventually found it in his word. But I saw, I saw that, that God walked by people. He, he saw his people. He saw them snared. He saw them in darkness. He saw them in their own blood. And he walked by and he said, when I saw you, right from the beginning, I spoke to you. And then I read a scripture in Psalm that said, right from your mother's womb, I made you trust in me. Right on your mother's breast, you had to have hope in me. Right from the beginning, even your physical birth. You see, your mom and daddy weren't the only ones loving on you when you were born. So you couldn't see the invisible scenes. You couldn't see the devil the, who was hovering on you wanting to kill you. And you certainly couldn't see God loving on you who says, I'm going to make sure you live because when I saw you in your new birth, you were bloody, you were rejected, you were in darkness. But I said to you, live. I said live. And I covered you with my skirt. And I made covenant with you. And I dressed you up like a royal son, like a royal daughter. I made you a prince. I made you a princess in my kingdom. I brought you and made you mine. I saw you right from the beginning when you were just a babe. And I raised you to believe in me, to trust in my words. And yes, you go astray. Yes, you go into the world. Yes, you become part of this culture. Yes, you become influenced by all that's being said around us and through us. But somewhere, the word that God spoke over us from the beginning starts jumping, starts standing. It starts itching. It starts calling. And something is drawing us to come back. And I'm just telling you, I'm telling you in the name of Jesus that there's an awakening. And the seed that God spoke in the beginning is being stirred to come back to him, to believe him like we're supposed to believe him, to receive his words like we're supposed to receive his words, to speak his words like we're supposed to, that we will become the sons and daughters of God who he will snatch out of this word. I'm telling you, there are people coming back. There are people coming back to the truth. They're coming back to the word. They're coming back. There's awakening happening in the spirit. There is an awakening happening. God will not leave his people. He will not leave them in the darkness. He will rescue them and bring them back to glorify him in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you what's happening. It's going to happen by the word. And when we are ready, the nets will be built on the word.
not only would our nets be mended, but our nets clean. And the nets now can be let down because it's all based on the truth. Truth has to be there. The word has to be there. Without it, our nets can catch fish, but the nets will break. But if our nets are based on the word, if our unity and love is based on his word and his word alone, we're going to see miracles. We're going to see signs and wonders. We're going to see multitudes of souls come. And I'm speaking that. I am speaking that. I'm thanking God every day for the multitudes of souls that are coming in this place that we won't be able to contain them because God is ready for this to happen. We have got to get ready for it. Get ready for miracles, signs, wonders. Get ready for healings of all manner. Get ready for God to show up and put on display all that he has intended. See, we were supposed to be doing this from the beginning. We were supposed to be this way from the beginning. But now, the assignment of standing as sons and daughters to represent him and give him glory by how we live in the truth is returning. God withheld it. He knew better than us. But now's the time to reinstitute it. And I'm asking, do you want to be part of this? Do you want to be part of what God is about to do? Then it has to be a determination to be like Jesus, he says, it's my words, and that's it, my words, my words, he says. A lot of words will come to you, but he says it's my words that you got to live by, none other. Doesn't matter how smart any other man is, doesn't matter what authority or position, can be the king of England, queen, president, whatever words they have, wonderful but the words of jesus christ means more to me than anything when i look at man man is so shifty he says things one way and then turn out doing something else man sets up one standard and then he goes to another and again, I am, I don't care. I'm not here to please man. I'm not here to be in sync with the political views of this world. I don't care what they are trying to accept, what they're trying to make normal. What's normal in the house of God is the word of God. Amen. And the people of God, that has to be our norm, nothing else, no other standard. No other standard is acceptable except the Word of God. That's what you're going to have to be judged by yourself when you stand before the Lord, is how you lived by the Word. How you accepted the Word. Or did something compromise your stand on the Word? Did something lead you away from standing or believing the Word? What are you going to live by? What are you going to voice? What are you going to make your life? Not just going through the motions, but making it part of how you live in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's stand to our feet. I've got more to add, but I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> for his word <clears throat> thank God for his word because the right response is like Mary who said when she heard the word of the Lord be it unto me I love her response be it unto me according to thy word I love what Peter said when Jesus said all the disciples left and they walked with him no more. Jesus turned to them, said, you want to go too? And Peter responded, Lord, there's nowhere else we can go. Thou has the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else we can go. You've got the words that we need. See, that's what the church needs to realize. There's no other words. There's nowhere else we can go. He has the words of life. I even love the centurion who says, you don't have to go to my house to heal my servant. Speak the word only. You've got the authority. Your words are fully authorized. That's faith. That's faith. Let your confidence take its rest on the words of Jesus. Anyone who hears his words and receives them shall not only live, they shall grow, they shall inherit, they shall overcome. You can ask what you will when your heart is full of the word. He even says to us, to us that ask, ask of me and I will give you the heathen and I will give you the upward parts of the world. You know what that means? He says, you, you're the nets. Ask for the heathen. Ask me and I'll give them to you. And I'll give you everything that they own. That's included. See, it's important that we get ready and be the nets. Holy, clean, mended nets based on the word. That at thy word we will let it down let it down into darkness let it down into this world let it down into the nations let it down upon people who have lost their way and have no hope i'm telling you that time is upon us to let the nets down make sure that you are fully vested in the words of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord praise for his word. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 
Praise be unto you, Lord. Praise be unto you. In the name of Jesus. I just want to do this. Just everyone lift your hands right now in the presence of the Lord. I want to pronounce a blessing. Lord, bless these your people right now in Jesus' name. To be all that your word says. That God, they would look to your word more and more as the days draw nigh. They will look more to your word. That as they look, every word that they find, every word that they see will speak to them. That, Lord, all of your favor, all of your bounty, all of your goodness, God, will be aimed at them. That they will be increased. They will abound. They will overflow with anointing and with power, with all types of resources, all kinds of angelic help in the name of Jesus. That more and more as the days draw near, Lord, that, that as they walk, their struggles will be no more of a struggle. That victory will prevail for them in the name of Jesus. That peace will abound in their home in the name of Jesus. That they never have to worry about their bank accounts again, but they will have access and, and, and all their access they will be able to give as you lead them to give. And so as you lead them to sow, they will be instruments of blessings in the earth, instruments of glory in their earth. God bless these your people Lord. That as they stand on your word, your pure word that they love your word, they speak your word, they hear your word they share your word in the name of Jesus and that because they are instruments of your word, they are vessels, oracles of God that Lord everything that your word promised will prevail for them and in them and through them in Jesus name I thank you that their families are blessed, their children shall be blessed their grandchildren shall be blessed that as they pray for people to be saved, they can give thanksgiving because, God, you are on the case to bring those people in. They are nets for you. They are concerned. Let them be more concerned about salvation for others. That as they pray for others' salvation, that it will happen as they pray it because they are your nets in the earth in the name of Jesus. I announce this blessing over them right now in the name of Jesus that they are healthy, they are strong, their minds are at peace, their emotions are full of joy. In Jesus' name, everything in their bodies made whole by the stripes of Jesus. Every past scar healed up by the power of Jesus. God, thank you for every sin and every failure wiped away and washed away by the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, you cover them and keep them and bless them and let the world see how good you are by your goodness that is riding on them. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, as you have authorized me to convey this blessing upon them. I give you praise. Amen. Amen. Come on and give the Lord a praise, victory, a victory, praise in his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Give them, give him that praise. That's you, that's you, you have to understand. Your, your praise is, is confirming what God said to be true, that you receive it. You receive it. In the name of Jesus, God bless you, God keep you, God be with you in all that you do in Jesus' name.